says in the Bible, taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord Jesus, you are good. You are good. It's good to be in your presence, Lord. Here, right now, here, right at this very moment, we taste, experience, and express and say by faith, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you are so good. You are so good. Now, as we just open up the scriptures together, we pray that our hearts will be opened, that our ears will be opened, that our minds will be opened, and that our spirits will be opened, and that we might see, be challenged, encouraged, reveal to us that which you want to show us tonight, so that we can be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just for a few moments, just briefly really tonight, if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 8, if you can. And uh, I just want to just share a couple of thoughts, just for a moment or two. And um, so I I want to speak just for a few moments about the making of a miracle. And it's part of the Follow Jesus series. And um, just so happens that I'm sharing it tonight. And it's uh, Luke chapter, Luke chapter eight, Luke chapter eight. Sorry, and verse forty. And it reads like this in the NIV. It really speaks about Jesus when he raises um, a dead girl and heals a sick woman. This, for some, will be a very well-known passage, but others of us, a bit fresher, perhaps. So, verse forty of chapter eight in Luke. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there uh, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. Other parts of the um, uh, New Testament says that she spent a lot of money on many doctors. So no one could heal her. She came up behind him, that's Jesus, and touched the edge of his cloak or his garment. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, I mean, this amazing thing happened. What a great miracle. But it stopped Jesus getting to see Jairus' daughter. Your daughter is dead, he said, this man said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but only asleep. 
They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned at once. She stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished. And he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Okay. So I just want to look at a few things regarding um, that, that story. Well, that, that, those two events of that one story. And uh, just make a couple of observations, really. Um, it, in this, two miracles. But there is the making of a miracle in this story. And how did this, these miracles occur and uh, as we look at this together, we will see in, in this account that the movement of man is very often connected with the movement of God. When something changes in our hearts, then we find we, our hearts are moved, we find that God seems to do something. Very often a miracle, when a miracle is made, when something happens, when God turns up, when God does something, when God works in our lives, answers a prayer... Um, works in our, our circumstance, moves in your home, does something at work, maybe heals your body, um, reaches out to you. Very often it's linked to two, two broad areas, and we see that in this account. The movement, our own sense of movement, and God's sense of movement. There's something that we can do, and there's something that we can't do. If we do all that we can do, then God does everything that we can't do. That's what I'm trying to say. And so in this story, there's the sense of um, Jairus, this man, Jairus, and this woman, um, when they did what they could do, God did what they couldn't do. He healed them. He did a miracle. And uh, let's look at that just for a moment or two, because there's a couple of things here that we can look at that help us follow Jesus. And so as we're looking at Luke, we've been looking at this idea of Jesus saying, come and follow me. And um, throughout the Gospel of Luke, we've been expanding on this and looking at how can we really follow Jesus today. So we're going to look for a few moments at a couple of, um, a number of things that help us follow Jesus, that help us follow him with all our hearts. And by doing that, we find that he answers. He um, turns up. He presences himself. He answers our, perhaps our prayers and uh, we'll look at that for a moment. So, so the movement of man, and then we'll look at the movement of God. So no, a couple of things. First of all, with Jairus... We see something about this man. Now, let me t- say something about Jairus. He said he was a head of the synagogue or a synagogue leader or a leading man or a leading person of the synagogue. And uh, so he would have been a man of prestige. He would have been a man of quite some power. He had been quite a religious man. And in those days, you know, these days, we, 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 we live in an age where there isn't much deference anymore. Whether that was a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. But um, in, in that time, if you were... Um, a, a leader in the synagogue, a holy person or someone, you, you were considered with, with great regard. In some parts of the East, that still is the case. You're considered with great awe. And this man, Jairus, would have been considered with a real sense of awe and regard. He was a powerful man. He would have been um, someone in the synagogue that everybody wanted to be around. Um, everybody would have wanted to listen to. You know, Everybody would have wanted to take heed and note of and would have said, oh, there goes Jairus. Look, he's a great man. And so this man, Jairus, you've got to remember something about this guy's background. He, he was... Um, you know, the big cheese. He, he was uh, the, the person. And so for him, when he says he came and threw himself at Jesus' feet. Now, at that time, Jesus, and again today we'd say, well, big deal, Jesus is God. But they didn't know that then. 
They didn't know that. He didn't know that then. When he throws himself at Jesus' feet, says that long came Jairus, he throws himself at Jesus, if you can help me, help my daughter. Jesus to him was a holy man, perhaps a man receiving lots of crowds where things were happening. And, um, but Jairus was the man. Remember that for a minute. And so when he comes and throws himself in the dust and in the heat, it's been a hot day today, but nothing compared to the east. It could be 40 degrees. Now, why on earth are they having the World Cup in Qatar where it's 50 degrees nearly and everything melts? It's crazy, isn't it? But it's 40 degrees. This was, and he threw himself. This would have been an amazing thing to do. This speaks of incredible humility. And with Jairus, we see humility, a proud, powerful man of prestige who considered him to... He thought, my daughter is as good as dead. I'll do anything. You would. You would do anything. I'll do anything. I'll even throw myself at the feet of this holy man who I don't know too much about. Seems to be getting a crowd, but whatever. And in front of all those people, in front of all those people, none of us like to be shown up. None of us like to have people look at us, do we? unless you're a bit of an exhibitionist or you love it, you love the stage perhaps. But I know I'm not the sort of person. None of us do. And this, all eyes would have been on Jairus. It would have been, (gasps) it would have been that type of moment. It was that type of moment. And he's pleading with Jesus. Humility. And there is something amazing. When our hearts are moved. You know, um, some years ago, uh, I read an amazing book by a guy called Kevin Gerald. He's the lead pastor of the Champion Center in Tahoma, USA. And uh, I've said this on humility. He said, people with humility don't think less of themselves. They just think of themselves less. I'm not a dead dog and I'm filthy. It doesn't mean that. It just means I don't have all the answers. And there's someone who has, knows the answers. His name is Jesus Christ. You know, we live in an age, don't we, where we we only have to Google the answer. We believe that we've got the answers. I am the answer. My opinion counts. That's the the type of age we live. It breeds a sense of mankind as the answers. But that's not the case. God has the final say, the answer to life. You know, in James chapter 4, verse 6, the New King James Version says this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility. There's something in the human heart. Uh, you know, in soul detox, we're looking at the, the a spiritual age in which we live. There's something in the heart of man which says, I've got the answers. And even if you don't, you know, it, but Jesus. And so with Jairus, he says, I just don't have the answer. Do you know what? I am this holy person. I'm the lead in the synagogue. Everybody thinks I've got, and he was financially probably well off, and I've got a great family, I've got a home, but my little girl, and I just don't know what to do. He's come to the end of himself. I find that when I come to the end of myself, I discover the beginning of God. There's something amazing. How good it is not to have to have a terrible thing happen in my life to discover God. Isn't it better? Isn't it better just to be humble? Isn't it better now to not have to get to the place that Jairus was at? I mean, you know, some of us in life will have terrible things that come our way and we think, I need help. I need help. But isn't it better when things are going great to say to God, you know, it's going great, but I just don't have all the answers. You do. You're the creator. You're the sustainer of the universe. Jesus, you are the one who's in charge today. And um, 
I, I just feel that James had something when, he, when he, he talked about the grace of God, the favor of God. One translation says the favor um, in the New King James. I love it there when it says, the more literal translation says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Jesus was meek and humble of heart. Today, if, you know, if you're, it doesn't mean you, think you have to be like a quiet church mouse. It doesn't mean that. You can be a loud person but still be humble. You can be a person that's very successful and yet be humble. You could be successful in the terms of the world and yet believe, hey, this is not all about me, it's all about Jesus. That's humility. That's, that's what it's about. It's about him. And so this moves the heart of Jesus, you see. That's what I'm saying. When this move takes place in my heart, we see God seems to move. It doesn't like, make anything happen. God gives grace to the humble. Favor. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And uh, the movement of man. And this is the making of a miracle. The miracle is beginning to take place now. It's probably already happening. And uh, Jesus sees it. So Jairus' heart is moved and Jesus moves to him. And there's something that needs to move in our hearts. And So this is one of the others. The second thing we see from the woman. So there's humility, the move of humility. The second thing we see in the woman. Um, Now with this lady, it says in the authorized version, she had an issue of blood. She, has a, she, has a, 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 she had something with her blood here. And um, a lot of um, scholars and Bible teachers uh, talk about it being linked to something like a gynecological issue. And uh, she bled so much that she just couldn't stop. And uh, other gospels speak about how she spent much of her money on, on physicians and it hadn't helped. Now, according to Levitical law, the book of Leviticus... I don't know if you ever knew that, but there is a book called Leviticus. I've read all the way through Leviticus. I tell you, it was hard work reading Leviticus, I've got to be honest. But there you go. But it's interesting. The book of Leviticus is about sacrifice and purity and holiness. And according to Levitical law, there's a law laid down that said, um, where there was a blood complaint of this nature, I won't go into the detail of it here. It has the finer points. But you kept yourself at home. And you didn't go out into public places until your blood complaint, until the blood dried, until you were okay. And if you continued to bleed, you stayed at home and you didn't mix with anyone. You did not mix with anyone. In other words, you became a prisoner of your own home. The idea was that in, in the east, in the heat, in the climate, infectious diseases, etc., etc. And so you can see why this law gave and God gave in that dispensation, that time, a law. But now this lady, now, at that time, this law would have been in process. And everybody knew about this. Interesting, big crowd of people, but she's on the outside. She knew that you didn't go out. She knew that you stayed at home and you did not go amongst other people. Otherwise, it would be, (laughs) it was like the lurgy. You kept away from someone. It was like being a leper. It was considered unclean. That's how bad it was for this lady. Now, this is amazing that she gets out the house and actually goes to where there's a huge crowd. This is why she didn't want to be seen. You know, when she did get healed, she just wanted to drift away, probably. She was unclean. She was a woman with desperation and desire. And there lies the second area. She got out of the house. She ran after Jesus. She was going to press through that crowd. She, she was going to get as close as she possibly could. This is desperation. This, if the first is humility, the, the second is desperation. 
The second is this idea of desire and desperation. And what we see is this move. of this, we, we learn something from this woman. A miracle is birthed. If it's humility from Jairus, we now see another picture. Desperation, desire. Isn't it amazing? What's the difference? Well, that's probably a lot of difference. But you go to a conference somewhere. It's a big crowd of people. And you've saved up for a long time. And you've, and you've paid 30 or 40 pounds for the... For the deal of, of and, 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 and you're, well, you're, I'm going there and I'm going to have a good time no matter what, isn't it? It's that, and there's a, there's a sense of expectation and you have a great time. And, you've, and um, there's a sense, and of course God is there, obviously God is there, but there's a sense of anticipation, expectation and desire. Desire, anticipation and expectation. Um, when we move, God seems to be attracted and moves. Like a, there's, like a, it's like magnetic. It's, there's an attraction. There's a movement in the spiritual realm. There's a movement in the heart of God. God loves. Jesus loves. The Holy Spirit loves humility, desire, a sense of devotion. Not this, well, I'm going to turn up and see what you can say. Well, that wasn't very good. You know, uh, Britain's got talent. There's uh, a second one. Uh, you better get off the stage, it's third now. You know, there is this real sense of, in this woman's heart, there was a real sense of desire. And um, we see that. So the move is for humility, there's a move for desire. And then, third, third thing from our part uh, is um, Jesus says to the woman, Go away in peace, my daughter. Your faith has healed you. And uh, to Jairus, he says, Don't worry, only believe. Another translation says, simply believe. Isn't that amazing? Only believe. Jesus wasn't doing it as a put down. Oh, don't worry, only believe. He was saying it with great love. You know, tonight we've heard about, um, Annette saying, you know, uh, prophetically, don't beat yourself up. Jesus really loves you. And this is the picture we get from Jesus. He says, only believe. It's as simple as that, Jairus. Simply, don't worry. Just believe me. Just believe me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Doesn't, you don't have to visualize your healing. He's not saying that. You don't have to visualize, oh, if only I could see myself healed, but I can't. He's not saying that. He says, just trust me. Jesus is just saying, just trust me. Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes with healing and seeing things happen, I can think, well, I just can't see that happen. Well, that's, that's no problem for Jesus. I can't see it happen, but he can make it happen. We'll look at that in a second. And all he said, he says, just trust me. And you know what? That's why he says a grain of mustard seed. It's just trust. It's not like building it up and can you visualize it and can you see it and can you make it happen and have you got enough faith and have you been good today and have you read so much and how hard have you worked and, and, and are you hearing the things of the Spirit? None of that. He says simply, only, just trust me. Come on, just trust me. And it's like that. And you know what? With our little children... You see our, our, the children in church life and they're running around. If they hurt themselves, it's straight for mum or straight for dad. And it's, it's, it's just straightforward trust and it's the same picture. That's the same sort of picture that Jesus is sharing here. You know, when you trip up and a little one trips up and they reach out to mum and dad, they don't think, will they pick me up? Will daddy love me? Is he going to say, you, you silly thing? You know, it's not, none of that really. It's just, I need you. And that's what Jesus is saying, the same thing. And you know what, folks? Simple things, aren't they? It's the simple things that make a miracle. Movement in our hearts. Humility, desire, faith. And then, 
the movement of God. And with this, we'll be closing in a moment now. There's movement in God. If there's movement in our hearts, God seems to move. What we see is this. When we see humility, when there's desire, when there's faith, and it seems all this comes together all at the same time. And this is the picture that we see and the story that we see with the woman and with Jairus and from them. There's a number of things that happens with Jesus. Jesus says, um, somebody touched me. Who touched me? Somebody touched me. I read that and thinking about that. You, you read it there. It's in verse 46. Someone touched me, Jesus said. And the disciples said, well, there's loads of people reaching out and touching you. But there's somebody. There's a particular someone. And this woman was an absolute nobody. She's unclean. You didn't look at her. You didn't go near her. But to Jesus, she was a somebody. And this is the interesting thing. And this is what I love so much about uh, the heart of God, the heart of Jesus. He knows us by name. He cares that much. And Jesus says, I know he was saying that somebody is a, as a person, but I love to think that she's more than a nobody to Jesus. She's a somebody. Loads of people were touching him. This was a woman that everybody would have n- was untouchable and nobody would go near. Nobody would go near her. And yet Jesus says, somebody. To him, she was a somebody. To Jesus. Do you know, you and I, to Jesus, are someone. We're a somebody. He knows us and cares and knows all about our lives. I think that's absolutely beautiful that Jesus knows that. And so your circumstance, your heart, your life, family, home, your cares, your joys, he knows everything and he cares that much. It's amazing. He's got time for you and me. And he says, somebody. Jesus moved by, is moved by nobodies. I'm a no one. And yet Jesus' heart has moved into him. I'm a someone. That's great to know, isn't it? That's great to know. And uh, that's the healing heart of Jesus. That's where miracles happen. Um, He spoke to the woman and he said, who are you? Where are you? Come out. Come out, come out, wherever you are. And she did. And now she wanted to keep silent because she didn't want people to see her, you see. And Jesus, now in the East, there's a bit of an understanding with holy men. And you see this in India um, amongst Hindu people. They love to touch the holy man, or usually a man, but it can be a woman as well, the the guru or the person, because they believe that power, there's there's an anointing, there's healing, there's power, there's something miraculous comes off that person. And um, some Bible commentators say that perhaps also Jesus was saying to this woman, come on out. Um, He's trying to deal with the fact that she was maybe thinking, if I can just get the power off him, as it were. And uh, by coming into the open, Jesus says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Not the power. Not the belief in the power, but your faith, your trust in me. Trust in Jesus. And that's something for us as Pentecostals, you know. It's not faith in the anointing, but faith in Jesus Christ. Trusting in Jesus Christ and uh, reaching out to him. And so he reaches out to her and touches her. And uh, he's also saying, it's not just the power. Yeah, you're healed, but it's me. It's his purse, his presence. Who he is as a person that counts. And for you and I, the miracle of life is released from the presence and the person of Jesus as we relate to him. So she wanted just to touch him and get his power, but Jesus wanted to see her and speak to her eye-to-eye contact. In the day of social media, we're not contacting each other. People can't look at each other in the eye anymore and have a chat and a conversation. It, it's the art of conversation is being, I'm making sure I'm looking at people now, as, as I'm, <laughs> you know when you start to, but... <laughs> Um, rather than looking up there, preachers look up there or look down there usually, don't they? But um, he wanted to look at her and eyeball her and say, my daughter or daughter. Now that's interesting because that is a term of endearment. 
uh, it's, uh, there's something more than just unclean woman. She's relating to him, and Jesus wants to relate to us. You know, the power of God comes from the presence of God, and the, we know this, but it comes from Jesus himself. So one of the best pieces of advice I had when I was seeking the baptism of the Spirit in the Brethren Assembly that I was converted in was, Adrian, don't seek the hand of Jesus, seek his face. See him, and you'll know his power. And that's exactly how I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And finally, and with this I do finish, how about this? So God moves. Nobody makes somebody. He, he moves, his heart is moved. Jesus um, reached out to her, wants a relationship presence. And finally, it says in, in uh, verses 52 to 54, it says the people laughed at him. They said that the child is dead. And then they laughed. Why did they laugh? Because they knew if you're dead, you're dead. And when Jesus said she's asleep, they, this was nervous laughter. This was ridicule laughter. They actually knew that this child was dead. Must have been. It was dead. The child had died. And for them, that's the end. And so when Jesus said she's asleep, they thought, you're a fool. Some people say that in those days, people were superstitious and the child wasn't really dead. But you can see from the text, they laughed at Jesus because the child was dead. Now, this is interesting, but Jesus, for Jesus, nothing is too difficult. God makes something out of nothing because he's creator. And so Jesus said she's only asleep. Now, she was dead, but to Jesus, she's only asleep because he's creator. Now, for you and I, we will find some very challenging circumstances in our lives whereby we can't see the wood for the trees or we can't see anything ever happening. Or you just, or circumstance would say to you, that ain't going to happen. Can't you see? That does not make sense. That's just not going to happen. But this is the good news, folks. God is creator. Holy Spirit is creator. Jesus is creator. He makes something out of nothing. The term is ex nihilo, something out of nothing. When God created the heavens and the earth, he made it out of nothing. There was nothing. No gas. No stars. Nothing. So scientists have to find something because something gives birth to something. And God makes everything out of nothing. So I want to say to you, if you're in a circumstance where you can't see it happening, bear in mind, Jesus said, she's not dead. She's only asleep. To you and I, she was really dead. But to Jesus, anything can happen because he's creator. Now, be encouraged, dear friend. That's what he can do. I can't do that, but he can. So, humility... Desire, faith, trust, seems to, in the, that movement in our heart, seems to move the heart of God, whereby a miracle takes place. And Jesus knows everything. We're somebody's but to him. He wants to have a relationship into, with our lives and can make something out of nothing. Let's pray. Now, I just want to say to you, and I'm going to say it to me, that's very nice. Nice little study for the night, 20 minutes or so. Put it, that's it. But dig on and hold on to this because this will help you and me follow Jesus. I believe the greatest cause that we can ever do, the greatest thing, that, the decision we can make in life is to follow Jesus Christ. I believe that's the greatest decision. Forget your New Year's resolutions about this, that and the other, whatever it is. Make your res resolution to follow Jesus. And if this helps you and me follow him through the challenging moments of life, then so be it. Lord Jesus, see our hearts and lives. We love you. We thank you. You're wonderful. How good you are. Tonight, to know your presence, 
to taste and see that God is good. And so, with open hearts, we say that we need you. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord Jesus. I believe, but grant me more belief, as it were. We say with that man who said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I pray, Lord, where I've become accustomed to church life and I've settled for a certain level of spirituality and Christianity, Lord, I pray, I want to stir up the gift, stoke up the gift, stir up the temperature, the spiritual temperature of my life. And I say, I want to desire, I seek to love you and follow you with all my heart. And I will trust you. I'm just going to just believe. Lord, help me as I just put my hand in your hand and say, lead me on. And then when I've done what I can do, you will do and make a miracle and do everything that I can't do. So Lord, I pray right across this auditorium right now that in our hearts and in our lives, miracles will take place. Miracles of finance, miracles of healing, miracles of relationship, households to be restored in household family relationship, we pray. Miracles of decision where we've got to find a way ahead. Would you answer our prayers and speak into our hearts and lives, we ask, as we give our lives to you afresh in your holy name we pray. Amen.